And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. That we can, and so help us God, we will make America great again. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the No Gimmicks Podcast. I'm your humble host, as always, Brady Leonard. Hopefully you guys are having a terrific week. Uh, great show today. I was joined by my good friend Tyler Grant. It's been a while. It's been a while since we've had Tyler on, so it was, it was good to uh, catch up with Ty. And uh, we did something a little different today. We kind of just recapped uh, the, the first two months of the Joe Biden presidency. We didn't focus on any specific news story or anything going on. But uh, I think you guys will enjoy it. We, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, before I get to Tyler, guys, I want to say hi to our sponsors over at Bulk Munitions. Ladies and gentlemen, I know you guys have been uh, looking for ammo. I know you're you're pissed off all the time because uh, the the shelves at your gun shop are empty. Uh, no worries. Bulk Munitions has you covered. Whether you're looking for nine millimeter, two two three, five five six, or whatever else you have, forty, forty five, three fifty seven, twelve gauge, twenty two, whatever you have, they have uh, whatever you need. They have in stock, ready to ship fast. No back orders. They don't sell it on their website unless it's in stock, ready to ship. All orders ship within two business days. No more waiting around, um, guys. I always love working with companies that share the values that I put forward every Monday and Wednesday on this podcast. Bulk Munitions is no different. Um, they donate. Uh, 10% of all of their profits to Christian-owned and Second Amendment-supporting charities. Um, they call it the Ammo Tithe, which is fantastic. Uh, and if you guys, uh, if that isn't great enough, they're giving this audience a limited-time offer. The first 25 of you guys to use the promo code TNGP21 uh, will receive a brand-new, absolutely free Blackhawk magazine case on the house, whether it's a, a soft-sided case for pistol mags or a hard-sided case for AR-15 mags. You get that uh, case on the house uh, with the promo code TNGP21. 21 on all orders over a hundred bucks. Um, you can see the special offer right now at bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. One more time, that is bulkmunitions.com slash TNGP. Use that promo code TNGP21 to get the free magazine case on the house. Stock up your ammo box. Stop worrying about running out. Uh, go to bulkmunitions.com right now and buy bulk ammo. Uh, guys, if you haven't already, please follow us on Twitter at NoGimmicksPod. Please subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe. And if you like the show and want to get involved, you can support us monthly over on Patreon, patreon.com slash the No Gimmicks Podcast. All right, without further ado, the great Tyler Grant. All right, guys, we're here with my brother, Tyler Grant. Ty, how you been? Good, man. Everything's been going well. How about you? Just living the dream, man. Living the dream. Remodeling a, a new house. It's taking up most of my time, but uh, it'll be it'll be pretty dope when it's done, so I'm excited about it. Love it, man. The Brady HGTV. It's gonna mm-hmm. be amazing. <laughs> Something like that. Except I don't know how to do anything, so it's uh, it's it's painful. I don't think anybody'd want to watch that for sure. But uh, dude, so I've been so busy with the new house. I haven't really had uh, any time to do any kind of like deep dive on a specific policy point or a specific story, anything happening right now. So, and it works out because you haven't been on the podcast in a while. I just want to do just a recap, our thoughts on the first couple months of the Biden presidency if you're if you're down for that so uh just to start us off last couple months i mean just off the top of my head you know two trillion more and unfunded spending uh border 
I guess you could call them child cages at 750 plus percent capacity. Uh, more troops in Syria for some reason. Colleges are resegregating themselves uh, in the name of anti-racism, which is pretty great stuff there. And the Democrats are planning the largest tax increase since the 1970s. So we're just doing, we're just, we're we're killing it right now, Tyler. What do you think? Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm really happy that Biden is just in, instilled normalcy in Washington, <laughs> D.C. that we were promised. Like our, our decency and normalcy that we were we were told would happen, you know, has returned. You know, we have 13,000 kids in cages or, or what, what do we call them? Internment hotels? Yeah, um, uh, CNN called them uh, jail-like facilities. Ah, ah hmm. yes, yeah, exactly. You know, it, it reminds me a lot of the conversation that I think it was the guy, the guy who was the head of, DHS maybe or or maybe he was border control or something but he was on and he was he was uh, in front of Congress and uh, AOC was asking him questions and she was trying to parse the difference between you know legal asylees and illegal immigrants and it was really funny because the, the Democrats have never met um, they don't know how to distinguish between the two things and it's really really interesting now that you know the rest of the world has, has, has grown smart to this they know exactly which team is going to allow them to you know do something illegal and cross the border illegally. And, and the, and the Democrats have no concept for how to handle these situations. They're very good when they're not in power and they can just do little media PR optics. But when it's actually time to, to govern and do real things, they have, they have no, they have no concept for how to do it. I remember when we were told it was the biggest human rights travesty, you know, we, we, they, the Democrats have never heard of China, but that's neither here nor there. Right. The biggest human rights travesty that Donald Trump had 400 kids in cages. They're kids in cages. AOC is standing at the border crying, bringing other members <laughs> of Congress down there. And now we're, we're uh, you know, 13, it's, just a, it's just a cool, yeah. clean 13,000. Yeah. They're all packed in. You know, you, you, you also understand, Brady, that, that these kids that are crossing the border illegally, they, they, they don't understand or have coronavirus. You know, that's that's not a thing. No. The six feet of separation thing is not the legal asylees can't they can't spread coronavirus. But that's neither here no. nor there. Yeah, they're uh, they're immune. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, campaigning for the last two years on open borders. It's like people in other countries hear you. It's like they understand words and they're like, oh, this guy's going to let us in. Let's just uh, all rush to the southern border all at the same time. Yeah, it's like which is actually when you really think about it, it's surprising, too, because Joe Biden doesn't believe that black or brown people understand how to access the internet so maybe right. yeah, yeah. maybe that's where this all yeah. boils down to i mean he doesn't even think black americans know what the internet is let alone black and brown people from other countries yeah it is it's just funny man in terms of policy like <laughs> and it's never really this way but this time around and I, i'm being completely serious like this administration has been much worse <laughs> than even like the right's most ridiculous gloom and doom predictions and like that's not helping your boy at all as as a as a podcaster it's not helping my level of professionalism cuz like i'm always like i'm i'm always worried about being too hyperbolic but i don't know man like these last couple of months have taught me to be much more hyperbolic <laughs> i mean it's like the left it's like they're becoming these insane parodies of their own worst ideas you know like i i don't it wasn't this bad this fast when obama was elected and it's crazy because he was actually an intelligent i mean he has you know 100 100 and something iq points on joe biden like he was actually an intelligent human being sentient person who people liked you know and he didn't even get this much ridiculous horrible stuff done at least not at first so it's like who would have thought that that this guy <laughs> that this guy that joe biden would be the guy to to put forth this this horrible just atrocious policy in in, in two months you know i i i took solace in in you know in november december thinking well at least he's not gonna be able to get anything done oof 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's quite amazing, really, is that both parties have now realized that the way to actually get radical, quick change is to play in an administrative law rather than, you know, the old school, you know, constitutional way of going through Congress and going through the Senate, having the president sign something in the law. They've realized that executive orders and playing around with, you know, the regulatory, um, you know, bureaucrats is the way to, to effectuate change. And then they have not hesitated in any way to do massive, massive regulation and try to prevent businesses from from reopening, try to curb the you know social engineering the way that they see fit. I mean, you know, any any number of things in this massive quote unquote stimulus bill are solely done in order to change society in radical ways. Whether or not that that has shown any sort of demonstrable proof of being successful, or whether that's something that even people want, or there is a need. I mean. I saw I saw some reports to suggest that some of the money from the previous stimulus pa- stimulus package passed under Trump hasn't even been spent yet. But yeah. yet the Democrats are saying, oh, well, here here's some more cash that, you know, you can spend at your leisure, which comes back to the whole notion of a stimulus package, as, as you and I have talked about and has, has been debated is whether or not this is a stimulus or a stopgap measure. And if it's a stopgap measure, this is something that needs to be happening monthly in order to prevent regular Americans from suffering bankruptcy or not being able to pay their bills and mortgage. But this well, I, is I don't think it's a- either. I don't think it's either. It's uh, I, it's just a giant racket, man. Like uh, half of this, something like half of the, the, the stimulus bill. Um, and you are right. I think it's something like 25% of the original two stimulus packages that passed haven't even been spent yet. But most of this newest quote unquote, you know, COVID relief bill is just bailing out blue states who are in debt, you know, and it's just like, it's just so bold by the Democrats, you know, it's like, it's, it's so out in the open. Like they're not really hiding the ball. I mean, like democratic governors, um, destroyed the country, you know, they, they destroyed their own economies, um, destroyed, you know, 40% of all small businesses in the country, um, put everybody out of work, uh, made people suffer all to, uh, defeat Trump in November and to get Joe Biden elected. And then now that they did, those governors did that. They were good democratic soldiers. Now the, the federal government's bailing them out. And, and paying them back for their trouble. So, um, I mean, it's just so transparent. It's so transparently evil. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know another word for it. Like, it's so, it's just so funny that they're they're saying the quiet part out loud. Like, they're not hiding the ball from us anymore. It, it, it actually is kind of fascinating. And I, and I look for, I mean, obviously, history is written by the winners. But I'm fascinated to see how history is going to write, write this section up. Because I, I imagine that if, you know, our team wins, we're going to write about how the absolute insanity that the left embraced in order to curb any notion of free enterprise and individualism in the United States during the time of coronavirus and afterwards. Because if you look at any number of businesses, Target, for example, in a week after coronavirus started, when they said, hey, look, this is spread you know, by people you know, coughing or by talking too closely together or whatever, in a week, Target had a policy in place for how many people come in the store. They had put up plexiglass over their cashiers to protect their cashiers. They limited how many, I said, you know, as I said, limited how many people could come in the store and they were wiping down carts and stuff. They did that in a week. Yeah. The federal government hadn't administered a policy for how our military was going to operate in the age of coronavirus in a month. Yeah. Like I, 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 I we, we got to stop pretending that our, our little local chieftains are the people that can that can police us better than you know business operating quickly? That it, it's it's free enterprise and they want to make money and continue making money. They could have fixed all this in a week. We if we got, you know, I, I think I made the joke to you before. If we got the the Chick Fil A COO 
to run and administer the coronavirus for each state and got, you know, all their little regional people, this would have this would have been over in a couple of weeks. Businesses wouldn't have been just absolutely destroyed. and We'd have been been able to move on way quicker. It's absolute insanity how this has played out. And we'd be keeping the Sabbath holy. So there'd be a, a couple benefits <laughs> yeah. from Chick-fil-A. No, I mean, no, well, there's that, you know, and, and to your point, which is actually kind of fascinating, you know, both of us are Christian dudes. And if you read Gorsuch's opinion and, and whatever that case was, um, I think it was, I think it might've been about the New York, maybe about, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you know, he had a, he had a concurring opinion, I believe. And he was like, you know, it, it is really telling in the age of coronavirus and where our priorities lie and where our moral, you know, our, our cues lie when it's permissible in most every state for you to go to the liquor store during the age of coronavirus, but you can't go to church. Yeah. So. Yeah. It just coincided. It just so conveniently uh, gave the left uh, an excuse to do whatever they've always wanted to do <laughs> for the last couple hundred years. You know, the, the, the thing that's really stood out to me yeah, this last year as a whole, but especially in the last couple months, and it's not what anybody's talking about, but, the, the left is obsessed. The Dems are, are absolutely obsessed with finishing off any small businesses that survived the lockdowns. You know what I mean? It's almost like if it wasn't so evil, you'd almost have to respect like the bloodthirstiness of the Democrats when it comes to small businesses. Like and it all stems from like what we've seen over the last five, six years, the complete merger of the Democratic Party and major corporations. And you can't blame. I don't blame the corporations for this really like they know that democrats wield power you know like they love wielding power it's not like these corporations they're like jeff bezos thinks they'll never be a republican president again but when republicans are in power they don't do anything <laughs> you know what i mean because yeah they, don't, they, don't, they do not punish them period. yeah and when leftists are in power they have no problem using state force to do whatever they want so it's only natural for the corporations to, to buddy up with democrats and small businesses are a problem for the corporations and the democrats are more than happy to crush them on behalf of the corporations, because they're not really fans of small businesses either. So it's like, oh, small business, you survived your your 12-month free trial of communism. Well, how about a $15 minimum wage and a giant tax hike? You know what I mean? It's like you almost have to respect, like, these Democrats are take no prisoners, man, when it comes to small businesses. They hate them, and they, they'll do they'll stop at nothing to put every last small business out under. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. It's the most fascinating concept, too, and, and, and it's really funny because you got— you know, I don't I don't want to pick a business like, uh, you know, just random, random restaurant person that, you know, is working for tips or whatever. Right. You'll see them post on TikTok, Twitter, whatever, be like, oh, my God, it's reprehensible that the Republicans won't post a $15 minimum wage. It's like, sweetheart, the moment that that's passed, your shift is done. You're, you're you gone. You, you're gone. Like, I, I'm so, I don't know how to tell you this. Your you, your business won't exist, assuming that they can even make, you know, they can make their payments. It won't happen. I'm sorry. Like, they won't pay you anymore. Like, the saddest thing I've ever witnessed in my entire, you know, professional career about, or I don't know, it's the saddest thing, but it, it's definitely like a, a perfect visualization of this all was I was at McDonald's one night in New York City, and I was watching this, you know, elderly, you know, woman of color teaching people how to use the touchscreen at a McDonald's. And it just was, it just was this perfect just representation of you are literally training the consumer <laughs> out of your own job. Yeah. You don't even, you, you may realize it, you may not realize it, but you are doing that. You will not work here six months from now. Once, once the American people are like, and old people get familiar with how to use the touchscreen, they don't need you anymore. They don't need a cashier. The, the, you know, I, I ordered a cheeseburger with fries with a, huh? You know, like what, we don't need that person anymore. Put the touchscreen. Yeah, uh, it's it's sad. And like watching 
I think it, it's really funny because if you were to kind of write like an evil V for Vendetta kind of comic book with like how coronavirus played out, Gavin Newsom would be the perfect amalgamation of oh, it all. Yeah. I mean, the dude sitting in there at the French Laundry, <laughs> like one of the most exclusive, expensive restaurants in the United States, like by far. And he's just sitting there with a bunch of pals, people he doesn't, you know, he's friends with, but, you know, certainly are not in his like, quote unquote, quarantine circle while he's telling, you know, people in L.A. to, you know, cut back on your electricity usage. You know, that's, yeah. you know, if you're if you screw up, we're going to cut your power. Like, And he's also are you kidding. And he also just looks like a Bond villain and he's just not very bright. So it's like he's like this hilarious, like cartoon version of like an evil politician. You know, yeah, it's per- it's perfect. It's yeah. perfect. It, it reminds me of a lot of like uh, like V for Vendetta or Children of Men when they have like the propaganda arm of yeah. the, the national media. And you just have like a Gavin Newsom pop up and say, stay home, stay safe, which, which I look forward to, like exploring this, like the someone has got to be doing. You know, I wish our reporting class was more sophisticated and talented, but I would love to read just about the meetings that went into like you know, slow, you know, 15 days to slow the spread, six feet, keep us safe. Like all that, all these like dumb little propaganda nonsense that we've been reading about, hearing about for a long time. And then you, you hear the, the CDC constantly revising some of the stuff and be like, actually, it's not really six feet. That was just like an arbitrary number that we could like tell people like, you know, you know, it's yeah. just, I look forward to like a re I wish we could read about some of this nonsense propaganda stuff that we've been reading about. Cause I mean, dude, when you walk through, you know, the New York subway and you're walking to, Anywhere like the, the the signage that's out there, the things that are, you know, put over the intercom. Help us keep safe. Let's stay safe. It's just yeah. very Patriot Act kind of stuff. Yeah, it's really creepy. And, you know, it, uh, movie reference wise, I, I think an even better example would be Equilibrium. You ever seen Equilibrium? I have not. It's a uh, everybody hates that movie. It came out like the same like month as The Matrix. And it was it was also it was another dystopian movie, so it kind of got bowled over. But it was a Christian Bale movie, really good. But uh, it's like uh, it's almost a, even a better example of society now, because like, everybody takes this medicine. It's like post World War Three, you know, how like most of these movies start, mm-hmm. and everybody yeah. has to take this uh, medicine that turns you into like an NPC. <laughs> got it. And there's got like it. this state like propaganda media just on every television all the time, like Anthony Fauci just telling people what to do and when to take their medicine and stuff like that. It's it's perfect. I can't believe I never put that one together before. But yeah, you know, with like perfect. the minimum wage stuff, like there's Republicans, like there's these limp wristed chestless Republicans getting on board with this too. And it's like the, you know, the, the, the weak need Republicans, like the Mitt Romney types are like, well, let's do like a $12 minimum wage instead of 15. And then there's like the, the big government, like commie Republicans, like uh, Josh Hawley, who are like, Oh, let's have a fifteen dollar minimum wage, but only for major corporations. Or it's like, what? What is wrong with you people? It's like, what is wrong? Like, the Republican Party just got shellacked. Okay, like we we're wielding absolutely no power at the the federal level. We're getting bowled over, and you're really just going to placate these people? You're going to try to reach for that hashtag strange new respect from the press? Like they, they're going to want you dead regardless, Mitt Romney. Okay, they called you Adolf Hitler in 2012. Like, come on. Like they're not going to like you because you're like, oh, let's have a ten dollar minimum. It's like, come on. Can these people? Oh, dude. And, I, is anybody willing time. to stand on principle? Every time. I mean, you make a great point. Every time. That someone, you know, the Mitt Romney types or whatever, try to placate these people. You look at it and you're like, dude, John McCain was a war hero. Yeah. In Vietnam for multiple years, 
in a, a camp where they were trying to torture him and yeah. you know, or they did torture him. Yeah. But I mean, they, they would have killed him, but for, you know, the war ending. Yeah. And you know, we're talking about that. And when he ran against Obama, he was a, he was a racist, yep. misogynist, anti-American, like blah, blah, blah. I mean, they said all these things. Yeah. And now, you know, when they're, oh, oh gosh, like the party of McCain is no more, blah, blah, blah. It's like, shut up. Like yeah, we, man. we're all there. We remember yeah. what you guys said. It doesn't matter who we are what we think we haven't really changed much of our thinking and, and our, our world video. You guys have just changed really radically and you guys will destroy people just so you can get exactly what it is, whatever your policy is. And I, and I will say the main thing that we need to do and what we don't do in this country. And I, you know, it's, it, it doesn't surprise me anymore after hearing how the teachers unions have handled coronavirus, but we really need to incorporate financial literacy into our high school and middle school education. 100%. That would solve a lot of this because we're talking about, you know, these guys that are in, you know, the Delta in Mississippi where you can you can have a, a one bedroom house for, you know, like four, three hundred dollars, four hundred dollars a month. I mean, you don't need to be making fifteen dollars an hour. And if you did, no one could go out to eat. No one could afford anything. Right. And that would just either either there would be rapid inflation in order to make that work out or and more likely people would have to move out of these areas or lose their jobs or both. And then it's sort of like. What, what, what was the point of this process in general? I mean, I, I refuse to accept the notion. and I don't know why we accept this notion that and a great example of this was Barack Obama's own. I think he like funded this documentary that was called American Factory. I don't know if you saw this. Um, I did not. But it it was a uh, it was about Ohio, actually. Um, it was, yeah, it was it was a Midwestern. It was a Midwestern town. And it was a perfect example of Beijing came in and wanted to invest in a glass factory. And they teamed up with an American partnership and they realized over time. The China, working with the Chinese was basically impossible because the Chinese would just work for nothing. And I think the, the the point of it that they wanted to get across was that, oh, the Chinese will work for nothing and, and it basically becomes slave labor because you just work all the time for nothing. And then they kind of like praised unions as, as the kind of the bulwark against that. But really the opposite was true. Yeah, I don't even know how you get from point A to point B there. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, you know, it was because they were they were realizing like to work in America, if you had to work against all this stuff, you know, you weren't going to make any money. That was the opposite side of the coin. That was like, well, wait a minute. Like there are all these additional expenses by like union work and all this stuff. And, and the message that really comes through, if you could like watch and listen to what the Chinese had to say was like, you're, you're literally doing a skill that does not change. That is very replaceable. And that you don't, you know, like any, you know, like any other job in which, you know, you're not using your hands or, you know, having to use like brain and skills and knowledge, you're, you're not building over time. Your skills are exactly the same. Like, me drilling the bit into the Ford car is exactly the same ability as I'm going to be able to do it 10 years from now as it is now. And there's no way that I'm going to be doing something unless efficiency changes from like a mechanical standpoint. Right. And I, I people just don't realize that it's like, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like if, if I'm the cook at Chick-fil-A or McDonald's and all I'm doing is cooking the hamburger, my usefulness is not going to change from day one that I work there to day, you know, 780 that I work there. Right. And, and, and people need to recognize that economic reality. The way to recognize that economic reality is financial literacy by being able to put money away, doing different things in order that people can build up wealth in some different way. We need, you know, we need to be teaching like generational wealth or these other different types of skills to make people be able to build and become wealthy. But I mean, the, the Democrats have no interest in doing that because as you, we've seen, you know, we got, we got to be able to get our French laundry and do yeah. our, do our nonsense while we let the little people just, Stay at home and, well, it's and figure not, it out. It's it's the the Democrats don't want the American people to be financially literate though. 
I mean, this is going to have to come from like homeschooling your kids and, you know, we're just building it from the ground up on like a family level, because I mean, it's, it's against the, the Democrats interest for you to know anything about how to manage finances. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think, I think many people, you know, again, assuming that we have any reporters with any sort of financial literacy or intelligence at all, we do not. that would be one of the main takeaways to write about with the wall street bet stuff with the GameStop stock. I mean, the fact that the average American is able to realize, well, wait a minute, if we all consolidate exchange information and do it at the same time, we can gin this stuff up, especially yeah. if we run contrast to people that are betting against it. And we can, you know, we can cover some profits and make 10, 15, 20 percent returns, which beats just like a checking account. Oh, yeah. so and and Wall Street was like, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. That's our game. You're not you allowed know? to be in the club. Yeah, you can't you can't figure that out, you know, yeah. and I think that that's one of the one of the main reasons why people are are, uh, you know, some of the big institutional people are very opposed to crypto sp- stuff is because it's like, well, wait a minute, we can't we can't. T- I mean, Janet Yellen was like, oh, my God, we got to get in the crypto space and figure out how we can regulate that, because that's oh that's just unconscionable that we would allow the average American to have a say and create wealth and build a pool of assets that's not, you know, greenbacks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's crazy, man. Uh, I, I know I only have you for another five minutes or so, so I do want to uh, change gears here just a second. Um, sure. Are there any positive developments on the right that you've seen in the last couple months, the first couple months of Joe Biden's presidency? Anything that, that you find—I have a couple of examples just off the top of my head, but anything that, that uh, you find to be encouraging? I mean, I think, uh, I think one thing that is encouraging that I've always thought that the right has— is that we're constantly developing new talent. And I think that, yes. you know, whether or not it's the Ron DeSantis's of the world or the Christy Gnomes or some of the other people, I mean, I, I know you probably don't like Nikki Haley and uh, no, I do some not. of those people. I yep. Uh, but well, yeah. Real, I mean, real quick on Nikki Haley, like, it's not like, uh, I know a lot of libertarians, like, oh, she's a warmonger or whatever. I don't, I don't see any evidence to make that case. I mean, I don't know. But like, I just don't think with Nikki Haley, I just don't understand the appeal. Like she was like an average Republican, you know, kind of like moderate governor. And then she yelled at Islamic dictators at the UN for a couple of years. But it's like any Republican could have done that. Those two jobs exactly as well or better than she did. So it's like, I, I don't understand why a lot of people on the right sure. really like Nikki Haley. But Sure. But yeah, so, uh, so I mean, the main point, uh, the main thing is I think we have a deep bench. I mean, if you look at the Democrats, I mean, it's, you know, they're, they're teeing the best that they could do was Joe Biden. The best, <laughs> the best that they could do. Yeah. And the second best that they could do was Kamala Harris. Who dropped out right? before her home state of California because she didn't want to be embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, that's the top two. And every other, you know, also ran that's in there are just a bunch of weirdo people yeah. or billionaires. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and so, you know. <laughs> Like, I mean, again, Donald Trump was a billionaire, like whatever. But I mean, we're talking about like we have dudes that are like in their 40s. We have women that are in their you know 40s that are ready to go. The average Democrat, I mean, their leadership is Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah. Pelosi's 80, Biden's 79. Yeah, it's It's crazy, man. I think I mean, Ron DeSantis really is is the future of the GOP, I think. He's if great. I, I've, I I've, I've interviewed him in person. I, 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 we, we sat down, me and him, as he was running for governor, and I guess that was 20, 2018, yeah. 2018, um, and we sat down at the Capitol Hill Club, and we talked for probably an hour, and I find him to be incredibly bright. He's a Navy guy. 
he worked as a, uh, I think he was a law professor for a little while. He yeah. has a, a very sophisticated, I mean, I mean th- this is, this is one of the things that like people talked about Barack Obama where you had, I mean, he's, I mean, he's obviously different than Barack Obama, but I mean, he's like, he has a sophistication about how the law works that is required of people in power. He has a, he has a prudence about the way that the federal government should implement policy. That is something that we need an American president. The fact that this executive order thing is way out of control. We have, we've basically taken something that is a, a relic of being under a monarchy and implemented it into American society in a way that's insane. And I think that guys like Ron DeSantis, especially who are conservative, are going to just tone that way back down and just make it make it where our, our country resembles you know, more of what it's supposed to be, like an actual republic where there are people in power who are at the federal level, who their sole role is to protect the role of the states and protect states having the ability to do what states are supposed to do under the Constitution. A hundred percent. And I think that's absolutely right. And one other uh, positive development in, in my mind um, is, is a lot of conservatives being red-pilled on, on stuff like the cops and the military. You know, and that, not that I don't respect the cops in the military. I do, of course. Um, but like watching these woke generals go after Tucker Carlson the last couple of days, you know, seeing and then, you know, last summer seeing cops arresting pastors, you know, for the crime of preaching the gospel, you know, and it's a uh, it, it's like a lot of conservatives, you know, they're they're anti big government. You know, they don't trust politicians and they be- then they become like statist lap dogs when somebody brings up the cops or the military. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. whoa. I get that you like the cops and military, but they're still, you know, arms of the, they're the violent arm of the state. Okay, like they can be great when they're fighting Bin Laden, or you know, if they're coming after a cable news host, they can be pretty scary. You know, cops are are great when they're stopping the bad guys, when they're arresting pastors or just shooting unarmed people for no reason. Not great. So uh, the fact that a lot of conservatives have been red pilled on on all aspects of the state, not just the parts that conservatives you know typically don't like, I think that's been a positive. Oh, I mean, 100 percent. I mean, look, dude, you you know, me. I've been writing about how scary it is that the United States government has been selling military grade equipment to local police departments, including but not limited to drones. Yeah, that's absolutely that's absolutely insane. But yeah, yeah, we've allowed that to exist. I mean, it's all good. Everything's all good until your rights are curbed. And when your rights are curbed, it's over. And it's like, oh, you know, you got nothing to hide. It's it, No, it's not that it's it's never been that it's this kind of stuff can undermine your liberty in a way that's problematic. I mean, ask, ask any person in the Trump administration who was brought into the whole Russian conspiracy thing. They spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. So most people will never get out of debt from yeah. the amount that they spend on lawyers in order to get them out from under what the FBI did illegally in oh, some yeah. instances. But, but, but sure, hey, man, you got nothing to hide, bro. You got nothing to hide. It's all good. It's like, yeah, I mean, great. I Yeah, I'm good, and I'm, I'm walking free, but I also now suddenly have saddled myself with, you know, half a million dollars of debt. Yeah, that's 100% correct. All right, man, I know you got to run, uh, so I got to let you go here, but where can everybody follow you online and read your stuff and keep in touch and all that? Yeah, I'm going to try to write some more uh, soon, you know, writing for the Washington Examiner a little bit, and then I'm, uh, I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to tweet or something. You know? <laughs> oh, yeah, but, you uh, haven't been on Twitter lately. Yeah, we've missed nah, you. Nah, you know, you know, playing <laughs> Russian roulette with your job, I don't think is all. It's... Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's worth it in this economy. You know I mean? <laughs> yet, yet you come on this podcast. Probably a mistake, my friend. Hey, man. <laughs> we'll see. Appreciate you, brother. Everybody follow Ty. Everybody check out his stuff at Washington Examiner. He's a, he's a great writer. Uh, that's all I got for today. I'm Brady Leonard. I'll be back on... 
Tyler, is it Monday or Wednesday today? Wednesday. <laughs> it is okay. Then I will be back on Monday. No gimmicks. Oh, <laughs>